0: Amen. Well, let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 17. going to talk about that story that every young man, well, I say that, there's a lot of them in the Bible, that when, when Moses held his rod up and uh, Israel was able to defeat the Amalekites, what an exciting passage. And I brought my, my rod, I don't know if it looked like a cane or not, you know, I showed this to Mr. Ramus. He was talking about raising cane. We were getting hungry for and, uh But uh, the, the, my, my rod here. The jolly 60s graciously gave this to me when I turned 40. Um, it, I think it had a little horn on it and a bottle of aspirin taped to the side. And, and you know, it was, just, it was wonderful. Anyway, it's a handy little uh, cane there. Uh, my, my rod. For today, but there in Exodus uh, chapter seventeen, uh, what an exciting passage! Uh, so, verse eight. Let's start. Though we'll read through the story. And we'll draw some thoughts from it. Uh, Exodus seventeen. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God. I'll start acting it out in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Moses prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But and so obviously you're like, gotta keep them up. But Moses' hands were heavy. They took a stone and put under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Sir, Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi, for he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll look at this passage. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the chance to open your word tonight. Thank you for these that are here. I pray you give them a special blessing. Oh God, I pray you speak to me and through me and speak to hearts tonight. Lord, Maybe we uh, draw something from your word that can help us and help us to be humble uh, and, and uh, receptive to what you have for us this evening. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, yay, victory. What a wonderful Bible story. So I asked the question, who won the day? Um, now, if Joshua had not done his part, could the day have been won? Did he win the day? Um, what about the men he chose? If he went out about choosing men, but they said, nah, we're not up for that. Could, they, could the battle have been won if the men had not done their part? Did they win the day. What about Moses with his rod? Could the battle have been won without him? Did he win the day? What about Aaron and her? Could the battle have been won without them? Did they win the day? Well, and I suppose there was the the, the even the ladies and others that stayed back to look after the children and and tend to those things. Uh, uh, could the battle have been won without them seeing to their duties? Did they win the day? So the. The, the answer to the question is, who won the day? Well, God. But he used a team, didn't he? Of people that placed themselves at his disposal. So the church is the same. We fight battles as well. Boy, the armor of God, he talks about there in Ephesians chapter 6. But Ephesians is written to a church. Church members who need the armor of God so we can go and do battle. Churches need soldiers and it takes everyone doing their part to get the job done. So let's say a teenager, let's say this Sunday a teenager comes on the buses and gets saved. Yay! Victory! But who won the day? Was it the preacher who preached the message? Was it the counselor that dealt with them in those precious matters? Was it the bus captain Or the worker that took time with them at the house? Was it the bus driver who actually drove them to church? Was it the usher that greeted them in the back warmly and made them feel valued? Was it the nursery worker that watched the infant that might otherwise be sitting close to them in the church and being distracting? Was it the Sunday school teacher who gave the lesson in the morning? that began to soften their heart? How about the men that got together the Saturday night before and prayed for God's blessing on the services? Could it have been that teenager that sat next to them in Sunday school or even in here who showed Christ's love to them? What about during the welcome time? Uh, Make somebody nearby feel welcome. You came over and and greeted, uh, shook their hand, and called. Oh, I'm I'm so glad you're here today. Was it the bus worker who decorated the bus the week before, or uh, another bus worker that put a little extra time into their game, or or the song time that that teen said, "I got I got to go back a second time. That was too interesting on that bus." Was it the worker who took the time to write down their name and pray for them, so the next week they could say? Hey, I prayed for you this week and call them by name. Was it the ladies who vacuumed the auditorium and straightened the hymnals and picked up the trash so it looked nice and sharp in here? Was it the bus mechanic and his team that made sure the buses could even get out there? Was it, was it, was it? I think you get the idea. Who won the day? God saved a soul. But he used a team to get it done. So the question tonight, are you part of the team? Are you part of the team? So here, we saw a fun victory. We saw teamwork. And God was at the head. But the people were doing their part. So in in verse 8, we see there was strife. There was strife. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. All right, so for some people, their, their, their motto in life is so much to murmur about and so little time to do it. <laughs> Earlier in this chapter, they had just gone through a, a shortage of water. Let's look at it real fastly. Uh, uh, fastly fast. Uh, so at the end of verse uh, 1, uh, there's no water for the people to drink. Verse 2, wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? So they go after the leader, they go after God. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this, that thou hast brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. So praise the Lord. I haven't I haven't experienced that yet here. Um, if any of you, uh, like when you said, I missed you last week, brother. Um, I hope that didn't mean you threw something at me. And it just whistled past me. I uh, hope you genuinely missed me or whatever. But, uh, so, uh, almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod. <laughs> there it is. Thy rod. Wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go, behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And, he, and they called the name of the place Massa and Merah because the chiding of the, Israel, the children of Israel, because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So much to murmur about and so little time to do it. Um, you know, uh, not enough, you know, you can see the picketing, right? Not enough water, too much war, not enough water. Too much war. Picketing against God possibly, right? But I'm glad that there was no, God gave them water and at least for this moment that there was no murmuring when Amalek came after them. As a team, they didn't waste any time murmuring. They just found out what they were supposed to do and got busy. And God wrought a great victory. Trouble is a part of life. Strike. Problems, they're going to come. Quit asking God, Lord, please keep the problems away. All right. Uh, Problems are, are growing pains. And God loves you too much to keep you as an infant your whole life. He wants you to go through growing pains because growth is worth the pain. The problems that come. Uh, Job 5, 7, I mentioned it today. Uh, Yet man, man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. So you have a fire and the sparks are going up, right? And depending on how dry it is, you want to track those sparks going off into the dry leaves off in the distance. Uh, sparks just go up. And as sure as sparks are going to fly up, that just as sure problems are going to enter our life. Um, it isn't an indication that God is losing control or has lost control. It is God teaching us that we need Him. We may not like war, but war does come, and we need to be ready to fight. The Bible says, Then came Amalek. There was a timing to all of this. Anytime a, a group of believers is going to go forward for the Lord, there's going to be resistance right? All they that live godly shall suffer persecution. When it's a forward movement, there's going to be resistance. But we also see that God didn't allow Amalek to attack until Israel was ready for this attack. Earlier, uh, God made sure they, they weren't in a battle. Uh, in Exodus 13:17, it says, it came to pass uh, when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. At that time, they weren't ready for war. So if a problem enters your life, it's because God has decided you're ready. Earlier, they weren't ready, and so God kept the problem, the, the problem of war away. So if a problem enters, God has decided you're ready and stands waiting for you to say, I need you, so he can show himself strong on your behalf. God graciously adjusts our trials to our strength. Apparently Moses had been using the time, so what what are they doing as they walk through the wilderness, talking and walking, talking and walking, Moses knew there were battles ahead. And Moses, being trained in the palace, would have understand it's time to get serious about some training. Let's train these guys. Um, yes, God is keeping us away from battle, but there's a time when battle is going to come. Let's start training. And out of that training started to emerge Joshua's. And people that came to the forefront that would take seriously the preparation needed for the battles which lay ahead. Uh, Moses was a man mighty in words and deeds, the Bible says in Acts 7.22. So these these Amalekites, they were descendants of Esau. And, and, and he, Esau was a profane man. That means that things that were special to God, he lived a life where he says, I don't care if they're special to God. They aren't special to me. I have a different value system and I'm going to live that way. And that was translated down through his descendants. The Bible says in Genesis 25, 34, he despised his birthright. Jesus was going to come through uh, the family that he belonged to. And he cared nothing for that. Despised his birthright. Traded special spiritual things away for a bowl of soup. Fleshly, earthly things meant more to him than vital, eternal spiritual things. And his descendants are a picture of an attack on what God is doing. We see a picture of the flesh as opposed to the spirit. There is a continual battle between the flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other. And so we can learn lessons on how the how our, our flesh, we have to fight it. But we also see lessons in how the devil attacks the people of God, nowadays even. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 25 tells us a little bit more about how they attacked. Uh, in Deuteronomy 25, verses 17 and 18, um, God is saying, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt? how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. He chose to set himself against God himself. Uh, he went to the hindmost and to the feeble, the helpless. He attacked the hindmost and the helpless, ah, oh, the devil never plays fair when he attacks. Boy, I was reading one commentator and he was pointing out, boy, the, the gossips in a church will often spread their tales among weaker members of the church. Boy, it's best not to be fringe member boy, you 're the ones that you get you get targeted uh, first by, by those that are on the outskirts. Get into the church, get busy. remember even Peter himself when he was following afar off, was pray for the devil that night. I put this you know you have p r a y right to pray or p r e y the the meat, the flesh that, in, that a lion will go after um, in this life we'll be either praying to God or the devil will be praying on you. What's your prayer life right like right now? I have warm, fuzzy thoughts about spending time with God in prayer. I just, you know, today wasn't really that good. I, I didn't spend much time in real... You're either praying to God or in some way the devil's praying on you. He's chewing your life to bits. So if your prayer life is something you intend to get serious about, the devil's got you in his jaws right now. Well, I didn't pray that much today. And yesterday was pretty bad. Well, I don't remember what happened the day before, but but a while ago somebody preached on prayer. And I made a decision. I just haven't done much with it yet. Pray it on the hindmost and, and pray it on the helpless. The devil loves to attack when there is weakness. Now sure, God had just given them water, but why would God allow them to get to the point where they desperately needed water? Isn't it funny how the devil could turn a blessing on its head, but praise the Lord, they didn't let him. They had water from God. They're like, oh no, God just took care of us and let's see him do it again. But I warn you, sometimes the devil can turn... I, I, I think all of you know. It's like, oh, the Lord just blessed you. Yeah, but... You're like... "Ah!" Don't let the devil turn the blessings on their head that God does for you. Focus on a God who loves you. There was strife. Secondly, there was a selection. Verse 9. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men. And go out and fight with Amalek. There was a selection. Now, he didn't say gather the men. Get all the men together. He said, choose us out, men. There were some people that Joshua looked at and said, Nope. You're going to get yourself hurt or somebody else because you haven't been taking the training seriously enough. I need men. Choose us out, men. So Joshua chose you that day. It was a compliment. Question is, would he have chosen you, young men? I laugh when when they preach about serious things at this church. I laugh at those things. The things that are nearest and dearest to my heart are the worldly entertainments. I give myself permission to do all those things that they preach against. I don't fear those things. See, I'm just that manly. So manly that you can't tell yourself no and be prepared for the battle. Choose us out men. There were some that day. (gasps) Nope. It's been a game to you. You're going to stay back in 10 infants. When we have people to do that already, you're going to get yourself hurt or somebody else. I need some men. This isn't playtime, it's war. We're in a battle right now. By the way, Jesus is the Greek transliteration of the name Joshua. Jehovah is our salvation. Jehovah saves. And the greater Joshua is still looking for men. And here's what he just says in 2 Timothy 2.4, No man that warreth entangleth themselves with the affairs of this life. I keep myself away from the world and close to the Word. Away from the world and close to the Word. Because I want to please him who hath chosen me to be a soldier. Go out and fight, the verse says. Now back in Exodus fourteen thirteen, the command was stand still and see, right? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But here, there was something Israel could do. And since they could do it, God commanded them to do it. God often uses both, doesn't he? Remember, there in Judges seven twenty, it says, "The sword of the Lord and of Gideon." God was going to do His part after Gideon obediently did His. There in John chapter two, uh, Jesus turned the water into wine after the men had filled the pots with water and then even dipped out of it and brought it to the governor of the feast, risking embarrassment of the governor's Like this is water. It's like <laughs> I feel like an idiot. <laughs> Risking that embarrassment by the time they got it there, though. Oh, this is the best grape juice I've ever Why did you wait until the end to bring this up? This is wonderful. A selection. And then we see the stand. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of climbed into Joshua's mind a little bit. and It's like, that's a good place for me, too. Maybe I could command from there. Do we have a big megaphone? Remember earlier we had that big megaphone? I could just shout orders from the top of that same hill. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think Joshua was worried about that. But I'm going to be on top of that hill. I'm going to, I'm going to have the rod of God with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and possibly, you know, somebody nearby. Well, 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 sure, that's good for getting water. But what good is that? Gonna be in a battle. We, we, need, we need swords and bows and spears. Oh no, this will be a far more important weapon in the battle that lay ahead. It represents the blessing of God. We can't rely on our strength to win this. If we don't have God's help, we will lose. We must have God's blessing. Um, How valuable were those weapons earlier when we needed water? And the same thing here when we have to enter war. This battle, we need the blessings of God. Without them, We will fail. And then we see the servant. We see the servant. So Joshua did, as Moses had said. By the way, um, these verses are the first time we see Joshua. So why did Joshua come to the forefront? Apparently he was just somebody that he could trust with some responsibility. Oh, I'll be a helper as long as I don't have to own any responsibility. Do I have to own it? Do I have to show up all the time and do that? Uh, can I just can I help the people that are actually responsible? Can I just show up and help them? Ah, uh, there was a Joshua that had taken things seriously. Joshua choose out men, and so Joshua did as Moses said unto him and fought with Amalek. We need Joshuas in our churches, young men, young men. We need Joshuas in our churches. Young men that will be serious about the things of God and do what needs to be done. Be serious. What a fun picture of the the greater Joshua in the New Testament that calls upon young men still to serve him. And then we see the symbolism. The symbolism. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill, and it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And so apparently he understood how that worked. It doesn't say that God told him that was how it was going to be. It it does make for a funny picture. It's like, go you guys. Hey, look, they're winning. (laughs) They're losing. Go you guys. (laughs) They're winning again. (laughs) They're losing. (gasps) It must be connected. I, I don't I don't think so. But the Bible doesn't actually talk about uh it doesn't say it was a story, but it, it just how it happened. When he had the rod of God up in the air, they would win. And this isn't hard to do. For ten seconds or so. <laughs> Boy, uh, I again my wife talks about how hard a worker I am. But give me a paintbrush and ask me to paint a ceiling? And I'm like weeping. In like one minute because my, my shoulders they hurt. Oh man. Uh brother Clint Redon was saying in, in, in the Marines, they had to take their rifle for a while. The drill instructor had them uh just crouch and had their rifle up like this for a while. And they just had to hold it like that. And one of one of the guys was like, This is cruel and unusual punishment, They're like, your mouth shut. It's like, my dad's a congressman and I'm going to keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Oh my. Um, So again, this isn't hard. Look, I don't know what Moses' deal was. But any of you have had your hands above your head for any length of time, you realize, boy, it it gets hard pretty fast. And, And war takes time. Are you aware of that? It takes time. The symbolism here, a picture of prayer for sure, and dependence on the power of the divine. Uh, when you think of Psalm twenty-eight, verse two, uh, hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle, when I lift up my hands. Well, I think of little like uh, the, the little Porozinski kids or uh, Irvin's little little kids when they when they walk up to dad and they're like, "I need you," you know. They hold up their arms, please lift me. Uh, pull me into your embrace. I need you. I want you. Please help me. And maybe especially when they're going through a, a time of agony, right? Uh, they get scared about simple things. And dad might smile. and That's not that big a deal. And, ah! and boy, when you hold up those arms, a, a, a father can't hardly help himself. Right? And when you and I, we, we oh God, I need you. That picture of lifting those holy hands of 1 Timothy 2.8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. But you know, prayer takes effort. And prayer brings enlightenment. And prayer is essential. Prayer takes effort. Physical warfare is tough. But the passage doesn't talk about how uh, the weariness of the warriors down below. The passage brings out the weariness of the prayer warrior up above. Prayer is labor. And anyone in this room that would say, no, it's not. Hasn't spent much time in prayer. Those that would say, oh boy, you're telling me, are the ones that have begun to understand that prayer, real prayer, is Labor. Matthew Henry said we do not find that Joshua's hands were heavy in the fighting but that Moses' hands were heavy in praying prayer brings enlightenment Oh, can you can you imagine the agony of Moses for a while when he's looking down at the at the men down there and he's like oh, and they cheer because they see arms up again and he's just like He's watching people get hurt because he doesn't have the strength to keep his arm up. Can you imagine? And maybe, keep that arm up! Keep it up! And you're like, I want to. I desperately want to. Don't you realize how hard it is for me to stand up here and watch people get hurt? But I just don't have the strength to do it. Can you imagine the agony that he's going through Oh my, the enlightenment when He stood above the battle and saw the need. Seeing from the vantage point of prayer, that is what informs the intercessor. Remember in Matthew 9, uh, Jesus was moved with compassion when He saw the multitudes. And in prayer is when you have that vantage point and you're enlightened to the needs around you. And the prayer is essential. The Bible says when Moses let down, the battle started going the other way. Uh, When we slack off in prayer, we can be defeated. Get that in your mind. You're either praying to God or the devil is praying on you. In some way, he's munching through your life. Prayer is essential. F.B. Meyer said, prayer makes all the difference in our fight against principalities. And powers. We need God. Our sufficiency is in Him alone. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Next, we see the support. The support. Verse 12. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. I'm sure it had a reclining capabilities, a lazy boy stone, or something along those lines, right? And he sat there upon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Boy, aren't you glad you have a stone to rest on? The Rock of Ages. Aaron and Hur came along, holding up the arms of the man of God. Aaron was Moses' brother, of course. Hur is the first time we see, it sounds funny, Hur, the first time we hear about him. He's the grandfather of Bezalel, the artisifer of the tabernacle, Exodus 31, verse 2. But praise God for those who behind the scenes hold up the arms of the man of God. The behind-the-scenes hero is so important. David remember the behind-the-scenes hero uh, when they went off to battle, and, and there were some that, that, that stayed back and, and kept an eye on the belongings. And they said, We shouldn't give any, them any part of the spoils. And in First Samuel 30, verse 24, For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to battle, so shall his, heart, his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall all, all part alike. I don't know, maybe there was people down the battlefield that didn't really register what Aaron and her did and said, "What? Well, they don't get to have they don't, they don't they have no claim to the victory. They weren't down here with us." And you'd say, "Little, do you know how much claim to the victory they actually did have?" Good. Oh, friend, sometimes when you're busy for God and you start to do it for the wrong reason to be seen, you start to look around and, "Hey, other people don't seem to be as busy for God as me." What's the matter with everyone else in this church? You just focus on doing your part for God's honor and God's glory. A couple things Aaron and her didn't do. They didn't start cheering for him instead of holding up his arms. You know, they're like, Go, Moses. Let those hands, you know, who do we appreciate? Give me an M. Give me an O. Give me an S. You know, he's, like, he's like, that's not helping. In fact, I think I'm getting a little bit of strength back to uh, um. a... <laughs> they didn't just they didn't start cheering because that wasn't the need at the time. They didn't badger him. Can you imagine how that would have been? What are you doing? Why are you letting... Do you see what's happening down? What are you doing? Am I the only one that sees the problems around here? What in the world? Why? are, Get those arms! Do you see where people are getting hurt, and I'm the only one pointing out what should be done? Get those arms up! They didn't criticize him. They go down and like I can't even. I mean, how hard is this? Guy's a weakling. I suppose when you're in your 80s, you can you're, you have an excuse to slow down some, right? So, (laughs) no, they didn't do those things, did they? They went over and held up his arms. His arms were steady until the going down to the sun. I I bet they got tired. I bet you they got, so I, I, I don't know. So he's got, and there's, one that just wrapped his arms around this arm and just holds it up. And that's, that, that's going to tire you out, holding it steady until the going down of the sun. But they did it. They did it. There are many people in this church that bring a steadiness to this place, and I thank you. God uses a lot of people in this church to bring a steadiness and a stability to this place because you know how to hold up the arms of the man of God. We could use some more. The next thing is success. They won. Verse 13. Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Amalek was defeated at least for a time. The battle will never truly be over until the Prince of Peace comes back. Even the devil defeated, uh, uh, sorry, did not defeat, when he tempted Jesus um, and was defeated by Jesus, in Luke 4, 13 it says, and when the devil had emptied all his temptations, he departed from him for a season. Amalek has a way of showing back up over and over and over again. But God has a way of showing back up. Every time. Giving us grace to help in time of need. Every time. And then the last thing is the story. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial. In a book. And rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under the sun. Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. And he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Write it down. There was a great problem, but there was a greater God. Why do they need to write it down? Because we human beings have a short memory. The next problem that comes along, we're like, what? What? Where is God? You mean the, the God that helped you overcome that problem? He's where he's always been. Write it down. When God blesses you, write it down. Write it down. And go, have a book of blessings that you go back to and remember that a big God helped you through your problems. And then rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. <laughs> it's like, hey Joshua, let me tell you. It's like, I was there. I was down there. It's like, no, no, no. i got to tell you what I saw And I got to remind you over and over and over again how God, why did Joshua, why did Joshua have to keep hearing it? Because Moses needed Joshua to remember that a big God saved the day because Joshua was learning to be a listener. And a listener can be a good leader. And he was going to have the story rehearsed in his ears God won the day, God won the day. God won the day. And if he could get his ears in tune with God, if he could get his eyes in tune with God, he would be ready to follow that God later on when he became the leader and brought them into the land of Israel with all those battles, he was going to have to lead the children of Israel through. So who won the day? God did. But he was a team. And I'm asking you, won't you be careful to do your part. Let's uh, go ahead and stand together. We'll have a quick time of invitation.